Welcome to another episode of Viatorian Voices Conversations on the Way. This is pre-associate Dan Masterton, and I'll be your host for these episodes in the Boulder Dream series for ministerial formation. Today, we continue our focus on vocation ministry with part two of my conversation with Sister Debbie Borneman, SSCM, the Director of Mission Integration for the National Religious Vocations Conference. To start part two, I asked Sister Debbie for tips and practical suggestions on how people can approach someone they think may have a religious vocation. Enjoy the rest of our conversation. I want to start off with a, just a quick tidbit that when I was discerning my vocation, the weekend that I finally decided which community I was going to enter and was in conversation with the vocation director and knew that the application was coming my way. So we're talking about two years of discernment. And I was walking into church and one of the parishioners who I'd known the whole time I'd been there, she stops me in the parking lot and she says, Debbie, I, I, just, I just have to ask you something. Have you ever thought about being a sister? Well, I thought lightning bolts were gonna come down or the angels <laughs> or something because no one had ever invited me. Like no one had ever said anything. But then I just thought, wow, like what made her say that? And like, she has no idea that I actually did just make this life-changing decision like the day before. And here she's saying, have I ever considered it? And so I want to bring that, like what happens if maybe someone would have asked me that five years ago before that or 10 years ago? I don't know. But it's just a point of like that we shouldn't be afraid to just invite people. However, I do think the first thing is, is you have to embrace your own vocation and let your face show it whatever your vocation is. If you're miserable and you radiate being miserable, well, gosh, by darn it, that's not exactly attractive to anyone, you know, to say, well, I think you should consider this or have you ever considered it? Well, no, if I'm gonna look like that, I don't want it. I don't want that vocation. So I think it's important, not necessarily to go up to random people, spark a conversation with someone you already know. And matter of fact, try it out with somebody you already know. Usually they're a little more forgiving as well, um, the majority of people who have entered religious life actually know members of the institute that they entered before they entered religious life. So look around. Who's right there hidden in your midst that you can spark a conversation with? I also think, don't start off with a question like right away, have you ever thought about being a brother, a Viatorian brother, a priest? That's kind of bold and blunt. I would say ask questions like, what are you looking forward to in the next six months? And just listen, what is this person looking forward to in the next six months? Is any of the things that he or she is looking forward to something that your community or the community you're, that you know of so well actually does? That you can make a connection to say, oh, you're gonna be at the prayer vigil for peace in our world? Well, actually the Viatorians are having a prayer vigil in two weeks, I'm gonna be there. So you make a connection with someone, what are they looking forward to in the next six months? Another good question is, what do you think the world needs most right now? Wow, you could talk a long time about what do you think the world <laughs> needs sure. most in the world right now? And when the person responds, listen attentively and are they the things that the Viatorians are doing right now? Can you make a connection for them? Because sometimes they're unaware. We get so aware of our own culture and what we're doing, but other people who live right down the street from us have no idea what happens in that building. Or on those grounds. Another one of my questions is, who's a model of holiness for you? Listen to them. Who are they saying are models of holiness? Um, or when you pray, who or what are you asking for? Or what are you praying for? 
Again, are these the intentions of the Viatorians? If they are, make the connection for them. And then if the conversation's going well, then certainly move towards saying, have you ever considered? You know, and or say our vocation director, you know, we have a vocation director, we have a vocation team, they can help you make some decisions. Would you want some information? You know, I always say give them the information on who to contact rather than you taking their contact information. Mm -hmm. And I think because it can be very intimidating and, you know, someone gives the contact information, but they're really not sure. Like, wait, what did I wait? What did I just do? You know, did I just sign up for something? Where if you say, if you have on hand something that you can hand them. And again, you know, keep asking open-ended questions because it, it leaves room for conversation and conversation that really matters. I think one of the things that you've been hitting on that is core to how the Viatorians think and serve is this idea that good vocational discernment and good accompaniment of youth and young adults will yield rich vocations to everything, religious life, single life, married life, to a variety of ministries and careers. And so I wonder if you would speak a little bit about, like, what are you, what do you think are some important questions or topics or parts of spirituality to explore, whether it's in small groups or conversations, or even on like a retreat or a spiritual experience or prayer service that you're trying to put together for young people? What do you think is most valuable to explore as you help young people kind of dip their toes in and then hopefully wade deeper into discernment waters? Mm -hmm. I think one of the most important things is keep it faith-centered. Talk about God and not be afraid to talk about God unapologetically. Yes. I think that sometimes we we have a tendency to kind of push it aside or sneak God in, you know, the sneaky God conversations, rather than just have people say, here's what I'm wrestling with today. Or when I pray, here are some stumbling blocks that I have. To be okay, age appropriately, mind you. But at the same time, to be able to say, to put it out to the group, to say, when have you heard the voice of God this week or this month? And be okay with just letting people respond to that. So I remember one time I was giving a retreat and a young man, he was getting ready to graduate from college. And he came up to me and it was the last day of the retreat. And he said, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, sure. And he said, you know, all, he said, I went to Catholic school for 12 years. He said, you name the prayer I have it memorized. You just try me, you know, name the prayer I have it. He said, but all week long, you've been talking about listening to God's voice. I don't know that prayer. How do you listen to God's voice? So I think keeping centered on God for the retreat and not to kind of push it to the last day that we sometimes do, but have the conversations, have a variety of prayer styles. You know, what are the ways Viatorians pray? Introduce that, but then be open to say, you know, how do you hear God through music? Or what story in scripture, just when you hear that, you just feel as if God is speaking to you at that very moment. So I think those things are important. And then you can certainly add into retreat, like what does it mean to live the vows in such a polarized world that we have today? What does it mean to live the mission and the charism of the Viatorians in a world full of brokenness and beauty? So to be able to not be afraid as well, to give that Viatorian mission, the charism, something that so often people who are members just live it, live in the spirit, but they forget to articulate it. And not that it has to be wordsmithed out in a sense, but 
we sometimes do have to explain why we do what we do and who we are, what the spirit is all about. So that's what I would encourage people to do on retreats. We do at our Youth Congress have a period where we offer prayer workshops in diverse styles from both lay and professed members. And the feedback we get is really positive, really strong. And I think you hit on a really positive topic for young people is learning that there are a variety of ways to pray and not just being focused on the familiar rote, but going into those places of spirituality that cultivate discernment toward whatever vocation. And so I think that's a great insight. You just made me think of something too. I think even things of having different images of Christ and then to have open the conversation up is like, well, what image of Christ is it that you most relate to when you're in prayer? There are so many images of Christ. You know, we're talking about a baby in a manger. Are we talking about being crucified on a cross? Are we talking about carrying the cross? Are we talking about um, wiping the feet, you know, Peter, and on and on, and, and Christ in different skin tones, and Christ in different dress, and, and to be able to say like, wow, because sometimes in our Catholic world and Catholic mind, we certainly think of the crucifix, but there are so many other images that are Catholic as well, and to be able to open that up. So you just gave me that when you were talking about that is to not be afraid to be able to say, have each person bring in a different image of Jesus and talk about why is that so important in their life. But then to be like really awakened to say, wow, I've never seen that image before. That's something I'm gonna look up and that's something I'm going to find out a little bit more about. Yeah, and especially when there's maybe a struggle to get young people to do preparatory work for an experience. Maybe just during an opening social period or meal or coffee break, we all have our phones in our pockets and we can look things up on Google and show things to each other and share images really easily. So it's like a nice low barrier activity too. Mm -hmm. As we think about vocations to religious life, we hit on it a little bit earlier, but with some communities having a decrease in the quantity of vocations and some communities even discerning a path to completion, what are the reasons why communities that are still actively doing vocation ministry for their own congregations, why should there be hope? Why should there be optimism? What are the the parts of our church life that kind of point us in a steady or upward trajectory when it comes to religious life? So hope, it really is all about hope, isn't it? When we First of all, I want to say we can never lose sight that it's vocation ministry. That has to, that in itself is a hopeful statement. It's vocation ministry. It's a ministry. We've said a couple different times in a couple different ways, this isn't recruitment, it's not sales, it's ministry. So the number of applicants should never be our reason for hope. And I think people sometimes put that's their reason for hope, that well, we might as well, or their reason to give up because they equate their success with the number of applicants. And I would remind folks that God's call is endless. God just didn't call you and stop calling people. God's call is endless. And God calls people by name, not by number. We have to stop counting people and call them by name as God calls people by name. So if we can shift some of the expectations we have, and I think the Viatorians are in a great position to do this because your mission is all about accompanying young people. So shift that as your reason for hope, that young people do desire a deeper relationship with God. And again, it's age appropriate. You know, young people, regardless of what generation they're in, they're there with you and the next minute they're off doing something else and then they come back again. I think for me, young people are hope, for me, signs of hope because they are still curious and that maybe they're not hearing the conversations that we can have with them. They're not hearing them at home. 
And so we have an opportunity to really talk to them about what really matters to their heart. So also to remind them to listen to God's voice. We may be the only people reminding of them. And so when they want to respond, regardless of their vocation, they'll come to us. And then the last thing is that I want to say is that there are signs of hope everywhere. And if you can't find any, then be a sign of hope. I like, it's a challenge, right? To not let yourself slip into a defeatist mindset when the hope is there and you just have to seek it maybe in yourself as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think too, the other thing I want to say is that celebrating, I know at the NRBC, one of the things we do is that when someone um, makes perpetual profession, regardless of which community they're in, we post it up on our Facebook account and we use a tagline that says another perpetual profession to celebrate. You know, that's a sign of hope. Maybe not my community, Gosh, it would have been great for my community. <laughs> I actually helped them discern and that, you know, but we have to get over that. And the whole idea is that this is a young person who has said yes to God. And I go back to the same thing is that if I see a young person and all of a sudden they're at World Youth Day and I discern with them, I'm not going to be sour about it. I'm going to say that's a sign of hope because guess what? Our lives intersected for a short time and they are seeking this deeper relationship with God. So sometimes we can get so fixated on numbers and we can get fixated on applications rather than looking through a lens of abundance and say, you know what, for that brief period of time, not only was that person's life blessed by our encounter, but my life was blessed by that encounter with them. And that for me is what keeps me hopeful. Yeah, and peaceful mm -hmm. too. So on a final note, what advice or insight do you have for Viatorians? Like you said, we are committed to walking with young people, with young adults. What would you want Viatorians to hear or know from your experience with vocation ministry and religious life? So for Viatorians, first of all, I'd encourage you to look to your founder. I did some research, I read about your founder. He was fearless in proclaiming the gospel. We talk about you know things in our world today, but I mean, he was doing this during the French Revolution, during the reign of terror. Just even the word that the reign of terror that he was proclaiming the gospel. I don't think we have a reign of terror going on, but like be fearless like your founder. You know, I did the short amount of research that I did, honestly, I looked at it and said, not once did I read that he was concerned about the number of applicants. That was not his concern at all. He cared deeply for people and he worked tirelessly for youth. Those are your words, so follow them, be that. I encourage each person, whether they are a priest, a brother, a lay associate, a partner, a volunteer, someone on staff, each person to do the same. Be intentional in being known as someone who prays for vocations, invites others to become a part of the Viatorian family, and encourages each other in all of your vocations. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Folks who would like to learn more about NRVC can visit nrvc.net. Our thanks to Sister Debbie for sharing her insights, and our prayers for Sister Debbie and NRVC's continued ministries with young people. To learn more about the Viatorians or invite vocational accompaniment, email us at vocations at viatorians.com or DM us on social media at ViatorianUSA. On behalf of Brother Peter and the Viatorian community, I'm pre-associate Dan Masterton. Venerable Louis Kerbs, inspire us. St. Vider, pray for us. Adored and loved be Jesus. Mm -hmm.